Scripture reading this morning comes from Joshua chapter 22, uh, verses 10 through 34. But let me give you a little context. Uh, Before the people of Israel moved into the land of Canaan and took control of the land, uh, Moses had given two and a half tribes some land on the western side of the Jordan. I mean, the eastern side of the Jordan, sorry. On the eastern side of the Jordan River. And so after they completed the conquest of the land of Canaan, uh, the eastern tribes were then allowed to go back to their home. And so this is where the story picks up in Joshua 22, verse 10. It says, And when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. And the people of Israel heard it said, Behold, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built the altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region be about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Then the people of Israel sent to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and with him ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel every one of them the head of a family among the clans of Israel. And they came to the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead, and they said to them, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this breach of faith that you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Have we not had enough of the sin at Peor? from which even yet we have not cleansed ourselves, and from which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord, that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord. And if you too rebel against the Lord today, then tomorrow He will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. But now if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord or make us rebels as rebels by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, break faith in the matter of the devoted things and wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel? And he did not perish alone for his iniquity. Then the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said an answer to the heads of the families of Israel. The mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and let Israel itself know if it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord. Do not spare us today for building an altar to turn away from the following of the Lord. Or if we did so to to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings on it, may the Lord himself take vengeance. No, but we did it from fear, for, from fear that in time to come, your children might say to our children, What have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. You people of Reuben and people of Gad, you have no portion in the Lord. So your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Therefore we said, Let us now build an altar, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us that we do perform the service of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings. 
So your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. And we thought if this should be said to us or to our descendants in time to come, we should say, behold, the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away this day from following the Lord by building an altar for burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before His tabernacle. When Phinehas the priest and the chiefs of the congregation, the heads of the families of Israel who were with him, heard the words that the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh spoke, it was good in their eyes. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the people of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst, because you have not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the chiefs returned from the people of Reuben and the people of Gad in the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan, to the people of Israel. And brought back word to them. And the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel blessed God. And spoke no more of making war against them to destroy the land where the people of Reuben and the people of Gad were settled. The people of Reuben and the people of Gad called the altar a witness. For they said, it is a witness between us and the Lord is God. That the Lord is God. May God bless the reading of his word. Now that was an interesting situation that they were facing, but it was all based on misunderstanding. You know, misunderstanding, I don't know if you've ever been misunderstood. I have occasionally. Uh, but sometimes misunderstanding can be comical, right? It can be kind of funny. I mean, have you, have you ever misunderstood words of a song and you're singing on the radio and you say the words that you think they're saying and someone turns to you and says... What are you saying? What are you, <laughs> that's not what they're singing. Uh, one comical uh, instance of misunderstanding was happened between a dialogue in dialogue between a, a daughter and her father. The daughter says to her father, "She says, Daddy, who is Richard Stans?" And he says, I, "I've never heard of him." And she says, "Well, he must be a very important person." He's like, "Well, I've never heard of him. Why do you say he's so important?" He, she said, "Well." When we pledge allegiance to the flag in school, we always say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for Richard Stans. She's like, honey, obviously that's not what it says. But you know, sometimes misunderstanding can be comical. Uh, but sometimes, and you all may have experienced this, uh, sometimes being misunderstood can cause great harm, it can be very hurtful. And like I said, maybe you've been misunderstood or maybe something you've done has been misinterpreted. Uh, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I know it's happened to me. And when you were you know, misunderstood or misrepresented, you know, what did that do in that relationship between you and that other person? You see, when misunderstanding happens, the relationship begins to fracture because this unity that was once there, when misunderstanding occurs, that unity begins to dissolve. You know, because the unity, it's all about being on the same page. It's all about knowing that what connects you is still in place. And for the people of God, both then 
And now, what unifies us is our relationship with God. That's what brings about ultimate unity between us. What unifies us is what identifies us as the people of God. What unifies us is is how we know God, worship God, serve God. And so we read in Joshua 22 that as the two and a half tribes made their way to the west side of the Jordan, or from the west side to the east side of the Jordan, where their land was located, they began to think about unity. They began to think about the unity that they shared with the tribes as they were uh, on this mission that God had given them to take the land of Canaan. And then they realized, though, that they had this Jordan River separating the land of Canaan to the west and then their land on the east. And they thought, well, because of this natural barrier of the river, this may bring about some disunity, some some distance between us. And so they thought to themselves, let's do something that would serve as a reminder to those on both sides of the river that we are one people, that we are unified. And so they came up with a plan. They said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a monument. And you know, people build monuments all the time to remember, right? So they said, we're going to build a monument and it's going to serve as a reminder to those on both sides of the river that we share the same faith in the same God. We see it in verse 10. It says, when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. So the type of monument they built was one of imposing size, which simply means it was large, right? Which makes sense. You want a monument large enough for the people on both sides of the river to see it. That's kind of the whole purpose of a memorial, to remind you of something. So you need to be able to see it. So they built this altar of imposing size, And it says, though, that this monument was an altar. In verse 28, it tells us that this this monument was a copy of the altar that was used in the tabernacle, the altar of the Lord. And so they built this huge monument to serve as a reminder of their unity. uh, And the monument was made as a replica of the altar that was used in the tabernacle. Now, here's where the misunderstanding originates. The eastern tribes, the ones who built the monument, were guilty of what psychologists call the transparency illusion. Okay? They were guilty of the transparency illusion. It's the illusion that what you are doing or saying is perfectly clear to those around you. I don't know if you've ever fell under the transparency illusion. But the eastern tribes operated under this transparency illusion, thinking that the western tribes would just naturally understand what they're doing as they build this huge, imposing-sized monument actually on their land, on their side of the river, without actually telling them what they're doing. The problem problem is that more often than not, when we are communicating or doing something, People misunderstand us at times because we don't share enough information about what we're doing or what we were trying to communicate. So I wonder, you know, have you ever suffered from the transparency illusion? That why don't I thought you would understand what I'm doing? I thought you would understand what I was saying. 
you know, you think you made yourself clear, but in fact you did not. That's the transparency illusion. And one of the things you can just take a survey of is your relationships. You know, look around in your relationships and, and consider, you know, am I getting into some misunderstanding or arguments? And is a theme that, you know, I just didn't communicate about what I was doing or saying or, you know, I mean, are you seeing that in your life? If you're seeing that in your relationships, that relationships are kind of in tension uh, because you just assumed that the other people understood what you were saying or what you were doing, then you might be under this transparency illusion. See, if the Eastern tribes, if they would have just simply told the Western tribes what they were doing, this almost this whole chapter in the Bible wouldn't be there. Because there would be no issue. They would be like, hey, great idea. Knock yourself out. But they didn't do that. They just assumed perhaps they would understand what they were doing. See, we need to realize that our actions and our words may be misinterpreted or misunderstood. And so we need to be willing to clarify that for people. You know, instead of assuming they just would understand what we were doing or saying. We need to be willing to clarify what we did or what we said. And we need to try to be more transparent if we want to avoid misunderstanding. But if the Eastern tribes were guilty of the transparency illusion, then the Western tribes were guilty of another common error in relationships. And maybe you've fallen into this error. They were initially guilty of being mind readers. You ever been a mind reader? A mind reader thinks they know exactly why someone did something without having to ask them. Sound familiar? You ever read minds before? The mind reader may begin a statement with phrases like this. I know what you're thinking. Or I know what he's going to say. I know what she's going to say. Or I know exactly why she did what she did. You're a mind reader. You have this ability to see into another person's brain and extract information without even having a communication with that person. It's amazing. What we find is we're usually wrong uh, because no one knows what's going on in the person's mind except the person and the Lord, right? And so we need to figure out what's happening in that mind of theirs, so we might need to actually ask them instead of trying to be the mind reader. One counselor says this about playing the mind reading game. When we tell ourselves we know the real reasons other people have for their actions... We assume that we can see into their hearts. He says, I've got news for you. You're playing God when you tell yourself what others' true motives and reasons are. See, those on the west side of the Jordan, they hear about this altar that's being built by the tribes on the east side, and this is where the, this is where the mind reading begins. See, because the altar was a replica of the altar that was used in the tabernacle for offerings and sacrifices, the western tribes automatically assumed that the eastern tribes were offering sacrifices on this new altar. And this was a big deal because God explicitly told His people not to construct another altar to offer sacrifices on. Okay, So they were told not to do it, they see them building this monument, looks like the altar in the tabernacle, so they assume that what they're doing then is they must be offering sacrifices on that monument they just built. They're reading minds. 
It would be like if you heard, you know, you saw someone teaching in our church or you heard about someone teaching and you thought, well, um, I think they're teaching that there's another way to God other than Jesus Christ. And it would be like the equivalent of that. It'd be like they're trying to find another pathway to God. You heard someone say that someone heard that this person taught that there's another way to God other than Christ. You're like, well, okay, that's a serious issue, right? Issue that needs to be addressed, no doubt about it. Just like this issue needed to be addressed if in fact they were actually offering sacrifices on a foreign altar. And this is why in verse 12 we read that these people were ready, ready to take it to, to battle. I mean, they're ready to do war against their own people. Because this was a serious issue. If they were in fact building another tabernacle, or an altar that was in the tabernacle, building another altar to sacrifice on, this was a serious infringement on God's word. And so they were ready to take it to war. Now you can see how quickly a situation can escalate based on a misunderstanding. And that's exactly what was happening here. And maybe that's happened in your life. But they were willing to do whatever was necessary to stop this sinful practice within their community. And one of the reasons they were so passionate about getting rid of this sinful practice within their community was that they understood that the action of one impacts the many. They understood that. That the action of one, or even a few, impacts the many. And they give us two examples in the passage. One example is referred to as the sin at Peor in verse 17. And the sin at Peor represents the time Israel began to worship Baal. It represented a time of idol worship and immorality among the people of God. And God responded by sending a plague that killed 24,000 people in Israel. Then the other example they give is the sin of Achan in verse 20. You know, Achan took something that the Lord expressly told the people not to take. And as a result, the entire community was impacted by a military defeat. And so both of these examples make the point that the acts of a few impact the lives of many. And that was true then, and that is true today. You know, the church is the body of Christ. You know, we are His body. And when one of us lives in rebellion against God, it impacts us all to some degree. And so the Western tribes are so adamant to deal with this you know, perceived sin in their community because they understood the damaging effects of sin within their community. Did you know, you know, most of the New Testament was written to deal with sin in the church because it was such a serious issue. You know, the writers did not want it to continue, so they wanted to shed light on it and deal with it. You know, sin in the church should not be swept under the rug or ignored, but it should be exposed and extinguished in a biblical way. However, that's all true if a sin was actually committed, right? That's true. However, how do you know someone has done something wrong? You know, I know, I know some acts, you may say, well, Ron, I, you know, you can kind of just tell. I mean, some things are just kind of blatant, and that's true. Some actions require very little interpretation. But if a misunderstanding has occurred, then it, is, it would be very wise for us to learn for, 
from how the Israelites handled this situation in this passage. Notice that the Western tribes did not give in to their mind-reading ability. Even though they thought, okay, they've built an altar, they're worshiping God on the, through sacrifices on this other altar, we need to make war. Well, they kind of backed off a little bit, I think, and they said, you know, let's not give in to our mind-reading ability, but let's actually find out what actually occurred and what actually is happening. They realized that there may be more going on than meets the eye. And so they decided to send a delegation to find out exactly what was happening. Phinehas represented the priests along with a representative from each tribe. And they were sent to the eastern tribes to figure out what was going on. So in verses 15 through 20, you have the confrontation. They go to the tribes on on the eastern side and they say, you know, What's going on? What, what is happening? You've built this altar. Uh, what are you doing? And they specifically asked them about uh, the sacrifice portion of it. Are you, are you sinning? You know what this would mean if you were in sin. Uh, and I was thinking about this, you know, even in our own lives. You know, maybe you have a strained relationship that you're experiencing because of a wrong that you believe was done to you. And maybe that wrong was done to you. Or maybe there was a misunderstanding. What we need to do is follow the example of the Israelites here, specifically the Western tribes. And you should go to that person and give them an opportunity to explain themselves. Maybe it's a misunderstanding. Maybe you misinterpreted the situation. At the very least, you should go to the person that you may have this strained relationship with and give them an opportunity to explain themselves. Maybe you misunderstood. Maybe you misinterpreted. And maybe what you thought was going on actually was not what happened at all. And that's what the Western tribes did here as well. You know, because sometimes we just don't see the whole picture. We just don't have all the facts. And sometimes there's more than meets the eye. So we should give the other person the opportunity to explain himself or herself. So I wonder, you know, is there anyone in your life, is there anybody that you have a relationship with that you need to give an opportunity to explain themselves? Tell me what you meant by that. Why did you do that? What, what was that all about? Give them that opportunity. This is exactly what the Western tribes did. They approached the Eastern tribes. They shared with them what they believed was happening. And then they gave them an opportunity to explain themselves. Because remember, you know, unity is established on truth. We want to get to the truth. We want our unity to be based on truth. And then in verses 21 through 29, we read the response of the eastern tribes. And what I love about this is they came out of their transparency illusion. Okay? They didn't let pride creep in and say, how dare you come and confront us? You know? You want to go to war? Let's do this. You know, they didn't do that. They, they came out of their transparency illusion and they clarified their actions. You know, they explained that they built the altar not to offer sacrifices. You know, we're not offering sacrifices here, but we built it to serve as a reminder for the generations to come that we share the same faith as you. We, we serve the same God and we, we worship God the same way you do through His His Word, the way His Word has prescribed. Even though we're divided by this river, we are one people serving one God. So maybe your actions have been misunderstood by someone 
close to you. And maybe you need to clarify what you've done uh, or what you meant by what you said. And notice that after hearing the explanation, Phinehas said this in verse 31. He said, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this breach of faith against the Lord. Now you have delivered the people of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Then we read in verses 32 and 33. Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, and the chief and the chiefs, returned from the people of Reuben and the people of Gad in the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the people of Israel and brought back word to them. And the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel blessed God and spoke no more of making war against them to destroy the land where the people of Reuben and the people of Gad were settled. You know, what I love about this is what started out as a very troubling situation ended up being a reason to bless God. Yeah, it started out rocky, but it turned out to be a wonderful opportunity to praise God and thank Him for the people on the other side of the river. Your know, unity was preserved, and neither side allowed pride to enter in and fuel the misunderstanding, which is always our temptation. And so maybe you have a relationship, even this morning, with someone. Could be even another believer in Christ. I want to encourage you to not allow pride to fuel that separation. But follow the examples of the eastern and the western tribes. Don't fall prey to the transparency illusion, but be willing to clarify your actions. And also, instead of being a mind reader, go to that person, communicate your concern, and listen to what they have to say. And perhaps what is currently a troubling situation may end up being a reason to bless God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this example of Your people working out a misunderstanding and You receiving praise for it. God, I pray that we would take a a look at our relationships. Lord, help us to consider that perhaps uh, we have hurt someone because uh, they thought we were doing something one way and we were actually doing it another way. They're just misunderstanding their misinterpretation. And we were under that transparency illusion. We need to clarify ourselves and share with them what we really were thinking and doing. But on the other hand, Lord, perhaps there are people in our lives that we feel have wronged us, have hurt us. And we think they know that. And uh, perhaps we think we know why they did what they did or what they did. Lord, help us to be willing to go to them and share our concern. Share how we felt, what we thought about the situation. And allow them to explain themselves. And Lord, perhaps we would see relationships healed. And what is currently a troubling situation turn into an opportunity to give you praise. Or may we be a unified people. Unified in truth. Unified in our relationship with you. Our worship of you and our service of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.